Well, Boker Tov, good morning. Hag Sameach Pesach. Uh, we're here. We've made it. Wow. It's, uh, it is the 14th of Nisan. All of the Hametz is out of the house. Everything's been cleaned. Everything's been prepared. Uh, the Hametz has been destroyed, as it were. The blessings have been spoken. The Hametz has been nullified in our lives. Baruch Hashem. And now we are just counting down the moments until uh, we're able to sit down at the Pesach Seder <clears throat> to be able to re-enter, as it were, Ganadin, to revisit uh, our, uh, our redemption from Mitzrayim, to uh, have the do-over of all do-overs, to be able to partake of the wine and, and the hamets, to rectify the sin of Adam, and to remember the redemption that we have through Messiah Yeshua, who is, in fact, our Passover lamb and our atonement goat. He is our redemption. And uh, to, to be a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but, but at the same time very, very serious, he is very much the reason for the season. <clears throat> the Messiah, the Messiah is in fact the reason for the season. Uh, we have this time. This is this is this is when we say that. When I say that, the reason for the season. This is the only time in which it's real that the Mashiach is uh, the reason for this wonderful time. He's the reason why I'm here. He's the reason why I exist. He's the reason why. I'm even talking to you this morning and was talking to you last week and was talking to you months ago. Uh, he's why I even know about God, that I even know about the things of God. And so um, this is a, a wonderful and joyful time to be with you. We've been uh, spending this entire week um, preparing our hearts for Pesach reading from insights to the Haggadah, reading from insights to Pesach festival in general, and and the time that we've had together <clears throat> from uh, the first day of the week until now, we've really only scratched the surface of, of all the meanings, of all the things that can be shared, of all the insights that could be had. Um, and But nevertheless, I pray that your heart is prepared and I pray that uh, that your soul is ready to enter into this amazing, amazing time. And you know, as I said, or as 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 the sages have said, I should say, that um, when it comes to performing a mitzvah, um, the most important thing, one of the most important things, is intention. <clears throat> that we sit down. Excuse me. That we sit down with the proper intention at the Pesach Seder, and uh, explore it. And so the preparation for this amazing time has obviously been going on all week, and in fact, even before that. Um, this afternoon, even prior to the Seder, we experience a level of joy. Why? Because it was in the afternoon, the early evening hours, that we would bring our Pesach lamb to the temple to uh, actually offer the Pesach lamb. It happened in the afternoon, of course, on the 14th. As a result, some people have the, the, um, the custom of studying the laws of the Pesach offering, 
uh, because obviously we're not able to bring the Pesach offering because uh, there isn't a temple. May the temple be rebuilt speedily and soon in our time. Um, and so we're not able to do that. So as a result, we study, uh, as it were. We're waiting for the Mashiach to return, right? We're waiting for him to come and be a part of our lives. May it be God's will that uh, Eliyahu um, would indeed uh, arrive and partake of uh, the cup. I was sharing with someone last night about um, the fifth cup corresponding, of course, to the fifth promise. And so they said, well, really, we say it's the cup of Elijah, but <clears throat> but in fact, it's really the cup of the Mashiach. And uh, ultimately, that's true. It's It's the cup of the Mashiach, the cup of the millennial reign. You know, it's interesting, I was just reading a little insight here um, from the Gutnik Humash, and it was saying that um, we have the Seder in two parts. If you notice, if you studied the Haggadah, if you're leading the Seder, or maybe you've studied the Haggadah because, you know, you're, you're just that legit <laughs> that you want to study it before the Seder, you'll notice that there are two cups of wine. There's four cups of wine, right? Which, which... Which we are going to talk about today, I promise. Um, there's four cups of wine. But the two cups of wine, the cup of the Kiddush and the cup of the plagues, we have prior to the meal. And then the meal is kind of the midway point, more or less, of the Seder. It is The meal itself is part of the Seder. You should not forget that important point. Because sometimes we, some people drink, uh, eat the meal and they think, well, all the ceremony is done. No, no, the meal itself is part of the ceremony. And so anyway, after the meal, we have two more cups, right? We have the cup of blessing, the cup of Barach. And we drink that cup prior or prior to the Birkat Hamazon. Or actually, we don't drink it prior to, excuse me. We drink it after the Birkat Hamazon. And then, of course, we have the cup of praise. The, cup of, uh, the third cup is, is pretty much the cup of uh, redemption. But anyway, so we have two cups. So it says here, the second half of the Seder focuses on the final redemption. Thus, the third cup of wine made on the blessing after the meal alludes to the festival meal which God will make for the righteous in the future to come. So the reason we drink that cup, we say the Birkat Amazon, we drink that cup because it is the cup of redemption. That's the cup that we are looking forward to being able uh, to have with the Mashiach in his, uh, you know, the, the proverbial wedding supper of the Lamb. And so uh, we're looking forward to that time. It says here, when King David will bless, will speak the blessing in that cup. So the idea is that when we are with the Mashiach and we, it comes time to drink the cup, the person who's going to be holding the cup and saying the Birkat Hamazon for all of us at the meal is going to be Melech, Melech David, King David. But I just want to point out that when we're looking at that aspect, we have the four cups of wine, the two before, the two after. This is really the two Mashiachs. It's the first coming and the second coming. It's the coming of Mashiach ben Yosef with the Kiddush and with the cup of the plagues. And then the final two cups are the cup of redemption and the cup of praise. That is Mashiach ben David. And it's apropos then that that third cup, the cup of blessing, is going to be spoken by David. Melech, David HaMelech, right? So, again, with just another aspect of 
we have two Mashiachs being represented all throughout the Seder. Another another place in which the two Mashiachs are are spoken is we have on the Seder plate, we of course have the Zaroa, which is the lamb-shaped bone. The word Zaroa also means arm. So the lamb is the arm of God. I saved you with an outstretched arm and a mighty hand. It's not coincidental that the word Zaroa also means arm. Because why? Because Mashiach is the arm of God, right? That's how another reason why we know he's the Lamb of God. Because he's the arm of God, right? And the lamb shank bone is called Zeroa, which is the arm. Okay, it's not complicated. So, we also have on the Seder plate a roasted egg. What's the roasted egg represent? The roasted egg represents the Hagiga lamb, the lamb. There was two lambs that were slaughtered and offered as as a, a part of the meal. The first was the Hagiga lamb slaughtered first, and then the Pesach lamb slaughtered after. Both of those lambs we ate of. The Hagiga lamb is the festival lamb, the holiday lamb. And so the, the roasted egg represents the Hagiga lamb. And so when we start the meal, <coughs> interestingly... When it comes time to have the uh, shulchan arach, the meal, the first thing we should eat as we're beginning that meal is we should eat of that hard-boiled roasted egg. And we should say that I behold, I eat this egg in, in remembrance of a hagiga lamb. And then that's the first thing we eat, then we eat the meal. The last thing that we eat, the dessert, if you will, the very last thing that we eat for the entire night before we say the Birkat Hamazon is the Afikomen. And we eat that in remembrance of the Pesach lamb because the Afikomen has taken the place of the Pesach lamb. So we start the meal with the lamb and we end the meal with the lamb. The two Mashiachs. The two Akidot. And so this is uh, an, an example. Another example we have is when it comes time to eat the ma'or, we're supposed to eat a half-egg size of ma'or. And uh, the ma'or is principally the horseradish. That's the most common uh, use of ma'or, but, but not everybody uses horseradish. Some people use romaine lettuce or some other type of lettuce. Typically, romaine is the most common, you see. And so one way, and in, 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 by the way, the... the uh, the Haggadah says that we take some ma'or and we dip it in um, in haroseth and we shake the haroseth off. Now, I don't know how everybody makes haroseth, but the way in which the Rebetzin makes haroseth is it's not really good for dipping. So the dipping part, I think, is more or less kind of symbolic. It is in some ways not practical. But the point is you're just supposed to have a a little slight tinch, if I can use that country measurement, on your ma'or. But let's talk about just something practically here. So how do you how do you take ma'or? How do you eat? You're gonna, how do you eat it? Right, exactly. And so one of the uh, suggestions that I offer up is in order to get the half egg size, because the fact of the matter is, it's not everybody can can tolerate a, a half egg size of horseradish. It's, for some people, it's very harsh. For me, I could tolerate like, I don't know, like a, a half dozen egg sizes. 
But anyway, that's neither here nor there. But one of the ideas, just as a practicality, is to actually put some of the maror on top of a piece of romaine lettuce with a smidgen, a tinch of haroset, <clears throat> and eat it. That way you have a combination of the maror and the other bitter herb, romaine lettuce, to the both combined make up a half egg size. Okay, this is just a practical tip for the Seder. But what else do you have another picture of? Two type of maor, two Mashiachs. It's another reason why it's a, uh, a good practice to do. And you, someone might say, well, can't you put on a piece of matzah? No, you really shouldn't because you have the matzah previous to that, an egg size of matzah. Then you have the maor. And then after that, you have the korak, which is the sandwich, which includes the matzah, the maror, and the haroseth. And so you don't want to put matzah, you don't want to have your maror on matzah because it kind of takes away from the flow and the meaning of the Seder. Just some practical tips there. But the main thing I wanted to say, aside from the practical tip, is that these are ways in which we see uh, the two Mashiachs. Now remember, by the way, I just want to share this, and we're going to get right to the cups of wine. I promise it's happening right after this. Don't, don't, don't uh, change the channel. The Afikomen is the Pesach lamb. You have to understand that. The Afikomen is the Pesach lamb. It's the Pesach. The, the Afikomen was broken for us. Take, eat. This is my body broken for you. That's what Yeshua is talking about. Now, there is an interesting thing here because... It is the atonement goat which takes away our sins. Okay? The atonement goat purifies us, cleanses us, removes sin from us. Okay? So that we can be a holy people. And so the lamb is not really a sin offering per se. Although... We do offer a lamb in the morning and a lamb in the evening in the temple, and it is an atonement offering. But the lamb of Pesach is really a offering that brings fellowship, and it really brings redemption. But here's how it works. Before you can purify the cup, you've got to buy it first. You can't purify somebody else's cup. Come on, that was really good. You should say amen to that. Why do you have to have the sin offering come later? Because you first have to buy the cup. Once you buy... See, when a Jewish person buys a cup or a plate or some other utensil, then they can, they can sanctify it in the mikvah. Right? That's how you, that's what you're supposed to do. Um, but you can't sanctify a cup or a plate or some other utensil that doesn't belong to you. That would be called... Oh, how do, what's the word? Stealing. You first have to buy the cup and then purify it. So we had to have the lamb first to redeem us so that we could later have the goat to purify us. Now, of course, Mashiach is both. He's both the lamb of God and he's the goat that purifies us. But the Afikomen, remember, the Afikomen is the lamb. All right, so hold on to this. So it says, the Rebbe Maharash 
taught that the afikomen is called zafun. Why? Because it grants us the power to eliminate the yetzahara, which is also called zafun. I will remove the zafuni far from you, from Joel chapter 2, verse 20. So zafuni is another word used here for the yetzahara. Now, the Apostle Shaul, when he was writing his letter into the Romans, to his little congregation in Rome, apparently, he was he basically said this. He said, listen, he was talking in chapter 7 that the, the, the word of God is holy, the, the, the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. And he, he explains in chapter 7 what's the problem. Is the Torah the problem? No, I'm the problem. He goes on to explain that, look, what he wants to do, he doesn't do. And what he doesn't want to do, he does do. What's he talking about? The Yetzirah. He said, this is the, uh, the law of sin and death that's at work in my heart. And he says, who's going to save me from it? Who's going to redeem me? Who's going to help me overcome the, this Yetzirah? And the answer he gives is, thanks be to God, Messiah Yeshua. This goes back to the fact that the Afikoman gives us the power. That is, the Afikoman is the Pesach Lamb. The Pesach Lamb is Yeshua, who gives us the power to overcome the Yetzirah. It says the Afikoman has no taste. This teaches us that we should not attempt to reason with the Yetzirah, that is, to taste its arguments in order to refute them. The best approach is to be unrelenting and uncompromising. I will do the right thing, he writes, and there is simply no other option. This is uh, just something I wanted to point out about the Afikoman, which is the climax, if you will, to the entire uh, meal. So, <clears throat> moving moving back, moving up, moving forward, however you want to say it. Now to the um, to the wine, the four cups. Right. This has been uh, hopefully it's been worth. Hopefully this will be worth the wait. Right. The, the time that we have together here. So going to wine. We talked about wine, red wine. We have to be. Uh, we have to drink red red wine of the seder rye because it rep- represents. Uh, the blood, the blood of the lamb, and the blood of our circumcision. Okay. And by the way, just another example, because I just said you have to buy the cup first before you can wash it. So the blood of the lamb represents redemption. It represents God buying us, if you will. What does circumcision represent? Separ- separ- circumcision is the mark of the covenant. In other words, it indicates that we have been purchased. It is our, it is God's receipt that he owns us. The circumcision is the uh, proof of purchase. Remember back in the old days when uh, you'd buy a box of cereal and you cut out the proof of purchase stamp, the little UPC code or whatever, and mail it in. They send you back the toy that they promised. That's the proof of purchase. The circumcision is the proof of purchase. The lamb is the purchase, which is why we drink red wine to speak of those two bloods, both the blood that I have been redeemed and the blood that I belong to you. It's all in one cup. Since why is wine the best medium for expressing redemption? Because it says wine enjoys a particular trait, the ability 
to bring ordinarily hidden matters into the open. As the sages say in Sanhedrin 38a, when wine goes in, secrets come out. Therefore, wine represents revelation. Wine represents illumination. This is the symbolism of wine itself. So, Cephas M.S. writes, It is not enough merely to understand the concept of redemption. Okay? It says, An intellectual or theoretical level of this understanding is not sufficient. We must feel our freedom as an emotion arising from the depths of our soul. This is, my friends, this is why Judaism has always uh, connected the various holidays and mitzvot with some type of physical act that makes sense. You look at other holidays, they have their, symbol, their symbols, right? The symbol, you ask somebody from the various religions, what does this symbol mean, right, to your, what, what do bunny rabbits and colored eggs, where, where is that found in the gospel message? And the answer is nowhere. But everything that we have is symbolic of something pertinent to Scripture. And therefore, when we sit down to drink the wine and eat the various elements, we are engaging all of our five senses. Why? In order to extract from our deepest souls a a true and righteous feeling of freedom. We are literally enacting it on every level, not just mentally, but physically. So it says, the Zohar states that the power of speech, symbolizing the ability to speak Hashem's praises, as we discuss at length here in, the, in another essay, was also in exile in Egypt. There are five principal organs of speech, the lips, the teeth, the tongue, the palate and the throat. Of these, the matzah symbolizes the teeth since it must be finely chewed before it can be digested. And the four cups of wine the other are representative of the other four. So by partaking of wine and matzah, <clears throat> we are in effect engaging our ability to praise God. We're engaging all five aspects of our... Um, anatomy that in, that allows us to speak and we engage that through matzah and through the the four cups of wine the four cups of wine as we've said earlier allude or speak directly to the promises the four promises that god gave us but it also corresponds to the four senses with which god perceives us that he hears us as it says in the book of Exodus, chapter 2, verses 24 through 25, it says, God heard their groaning, number one. God remembered his covenant, number two, his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God saw the children of Israel, number three, and God knew. So these four cups, in as much as they correspond to God's promises, they also correspond to God's attentiveness to us. To God heard, God remembered, God saw, and God knew. Now, if we look at this, that uh, God heard, 
represent corresponds to to Kiddush. He hears our prayers. He hears our glorification of Him. What do we do at Kiddush? We 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 exalt God as Creator of the universe. We exalt God as the only God. God hears that. He remembers the remembrance corresponds to the cup of of uh, the plagues. He remembers His promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and therefore he works our salvation for us. God saw the children of Israel. To see corresponds to the cup of blessing, the cup of redemption. What did, what did, uh, uh, what did it say that uh, about the Mount of Moriah? When Abraham offered up Isaac, Right? Adonai Yireh, God will see on this mountain. God will see. See what? He'll see his, his uh, redemptive power. So the cup of redemption, which we take after we have just eaten the afikomen and said the blessing corresponds to God seeing his salvation. And of course, God knew the corresponds to the cup of praise where God will know us and we, more importantly, will know him. Knowing represents something intimate. We will sit down at his table and we will be known. We will know him even as we are known. Safest MS also says, By drinking the four cups, we demonstrate our appreciation of Hashem's concern for the plight of the Jews in exile. This is expressed by the four senses the Torah uses to describe Hashem's perception of the Jews' suffering in Egypt. We can also draw, he writes, a parallel between the four cups and the four parashot of the tefillin. So to drink the cups of wine is like wearing tefillin. The first cup, he says, over which we say Kiddush corresponds to power to the to the portion sanctify to me every firstborn from Shemot 13 1 through 10. The second cup, which we pour as we begin to recite the Haggadah and leave in front of us throughout the recitation, all right, corresponds to and it shall be when Hashem will bring you from Exodus chapter 13, 11 through 16, which speaks of our coming to Eretz Israel. It says even though the second parasha gives greater emphasis to our freedom, the first parasha alludes to the fact that the whole purpose of the Egyptian exile was to redeem us and eventually bring us into his, his uh, land. The third cup we drink upon recitation of the Berkat Amazon corresponds to the portion of the Shema in our tefillin. He says, just as we thank God for the physical sustenance he gives us, the Shema proclaims our appreciation for the spiritual sustenance that flows from him alone. And finally, the fourth cup, after which we pronounce a blessing over the land for the and the fruit of the vine, corresponds to the second parasha of Shema from Devarim 11.13, which speaks of the condition necessary for us to remain in the land, which is what? We have to remain faithful to Hashem and not, God forbid, get caught up in idolatry. This is why we, by the way, why we have to flee from all forms of idolatry practice. Why we're not allowed to take somebody else's holiday and make it kosher. You're supposed to flee from it. Now getting 
that was the four cups, by the way. That's what the four cups, all the things that the four cups uh, symbolize. And obviously, it's a lot. So I want to uh, also point out something else. Of course, that talks about the matzah itself. Because we eat matzah, speaks of a lot of things, speaks of our exile, speaks of our our uh, um, poverty and, and so on. But there's something else about the matzah that's very important. What did Yeshua do principally when he was here? He healed people. That was one of the things that uh, perhaps he was best known for. Healing the sick, causing the lame to walk, walk, removing demons from people and so on. Well, the Zohar says that the matzah is called Mikla Da'as Veta, the food of healing. Because the Zohar suggests that eating the matzah brings spiritual and physical healing to the individual. So we have to understand that when we eat the matzah on, on the Seder night, that we are also partaking of God's healing power. God's healing power. Now, uh, just kind of an aside, I like to wanted to point this out um, because I'm, I often point out the fallacy of the Noahide idea and so on because people suggest that the Noahides or by extension the Messianic Gentiles have a covenant outside of, of the covenant that God has with the Jews. I mean, in fact, there really isn't a covenant. And this is an example of it. It says, Hametz is inappropriate only for Jews. Hametz is inappropriate only for Jews. Why? For Because for Jews, justice was transmuted into mercy. This was what Cephas Emetz means. Now remember, a Jew is somebody who's in covenant with God. So if you're in covenant with God, it means that strict justice has been transformed into mercy. And this is why Hametz is inappropriate for a Jew. But if you're not Jewish, then it's, it's okay. But that's bad. So you say, well, if I'm not Jewish, it's okay for me to eat hummus. Yeah, but the spiritual picture of that is that strict judgment has not been turned into mercy for you. That's not good. That's low tov. All right, one final thing. One final thing as we conclude. And again, there's so much more to share, but but you know what? This is just going to be for study as, as time goes on. One final thing. As we part company and prepare to bring glory down in our living rooms and social halls or wherever it is that you're having the Seder. It says, again, one from Cephas MS. The overriding message of the name Pesach is skipping. Because that's what it means. Pesach is to pass over, to skip over. Making quantum leaps and growing spiritually. Friends, that's what's going to happen when you sit down at your Pesach table. You're going to skip like a ram. You're going to make quantum leaps in your understanding of who God is. It says, At the sea, beleaguered by Pharaoh's armies, the Jewish people seized the profession of their forefathers and prayed. They seized the profession of their forefathers. What was 
What is this saying? It says that our forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that they were professional prayers. They were professional people. They were Their profession, I should say, was a relationship with God. In a larger sense, he writes, every Passover we leap to attain the standards and the high moral levels achieved by our forefathers. This may be the intent of that well-known verse, God will return the hearts of the fathers to their children from Malachi 3.24, which we understand to mean that God will grant the hearts of their fathers. He will grant them the wherewithal to leap beyond their limitations, to follow the ways of their fathers. My prayer for all of us that would at this Pesach, we would, we would grow in leaps and bounds. If you're a man, may God make you like Ephraim and Menashe. May God make you like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. To the daughters of the Lapid movement, may God make you like Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah. May he crown each of you with a crown of glory tonight. And may God fill your, your soul with his Ruach HaKodesh. And as you partake of the wine and the matzah tonight, may you undo the sins of Adam, the sins of your family, the sins of the world. And may all of us together, by sitting down at the Pesach Seder tonight, may God use us to rectify the universe, to rectify our towns, our cities, our states, our families. May God use us in our very humble service tonight to bring glory to his name and most of all, souls under the shelter and the shadow of his wings. Hag Sameach Pesach. Have a wonderful, wonderful Seder. Be joyful, be blessed, be excited. And I will see every single one of you, God willing, tomorrow at the service as we are celebrating both the Sabbath and the Yom Tov of Pesach. Shalom, shalom, Hag Sameach and Shabbat Shalom. We'll see everybody tomorrow.